Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Now, last week, uh, we started a series. We're looking at... uh, We're looking at emotional health and relational health. And the reason we're talking about these two things is because I have become convinced more than ever that the time is ripe for this and that this is something we need to shore up. We need to strengthen this if we are to sustain a move of God. It's one thing to have a move of God. It's another thing to sustain it. You know, a lot of times there are churches that have a move of God and they end up in the end a shell of what they were before the move of God because of the relational stress that an outpouring of the Spirit. I I know that sounds crazy to some of you, but I've seen it again and again and again. And so we're really, we're going to go after this thing. And one of the things I talked about last week was that in discipleship, uh, often we look at the, the elements of discipleship as simply putting information in people and helping them become more wise. And then we feel like if, they, if they've sat through a lot of classes or a lot of Sunday school or a lot of sermons, then they are being discipled. And often we reserve things like inner healing and deliverance, crisis intervention. We, we put it under the umbrella of crisis intervention, and we look at it as, okay, we only pull those things out if people are beginning to blow up. If the wheels are beginning to fall off, then we'll take them through these, these models of ministry. But that is not the way we do it here, and we're going to, even more so, we're going to pull these things into the discipleship process. Because it's my firm conviction that everybody has unfinished business, okay? We all do. Nobody's arrived. We're going from glory to glory. And in between the glory is the gory. We're shedding that stuff. We're getting rid of that stuff. And those, those issues from our past are what's hindering us from our future. And so, uh, and even deliverance. There are many believers who have demonic inroads into their life. And they're wondering why things continue to happen in life. Why they keep struggling and going around the same mountain. And it's because there's demonic inroads that they've never dealt with. That is a part of normal discipleship. That is not reserved for people that are... You know, that's not reserved for the homeless crowd that ha- that's living in drug addiction and alcoholism. We're, th- this is the normal Christian life for us to deal with these issues. And so we're going to be instituting these, many of the models that we've used over time to a greater degree. And so that's what we're looking at. So uh, I want to read a couple of scriptures to you this morning. And then we've got an announcement to make in this regard. Uh, if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter... Two, Ephesians chapter 2. My computer will cooperate here. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 10. Ah, it's not working here. Let me pull it up on my phone. I want to quote this accurately. Been meditating on this and some other verses just this week. Bear with me here. Ephesians chapter 2. Begin reading 
Look at verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So it's not by our works. It's by his work so that we can do his work. Okay, there's a whole lot of work in there. But it's not us doing the work. It's God works through us. And so we've been saved by grace through faith. This is not from ourselves; It's a gift to God, not by our works so that no one can boast. But that doesn't mean that we don't do work. We don't work to be saved. We work because we're saved. And we produce his works in the earth. And then he goes like this. It says that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork. It, it literally, the, the Greek word is poema. It, it's where we get the word poem. It's where his, his beautiful carving, his handiwork, he's making something beautiful out of our life. And we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And then he says this, which God prepared in advance for us to do, or that we may walk in them is the way one translation says. In other words, there is, there are, there's a job in the future waiting for you to fill. Or there's a human hole in history waiting for you to fill it. There's a future that's calling you and that you have to be prepared for. Because there's works prepared in advance for you to walk in it. But you have to be prepared in advance so that when you arrive at your future, you are prepared to fulfill the works that are assigned to you. Your future will demand a different you than you presently are. And that's why we always have to be continually growing. We always have to be stretching, allowing the Lord to stretch us because the future us is going to have to carry a heavier load than the present us. And what hinders that is a lot of times, rather than growing, we withdraw from the process because of our woundedness. Every new opportunity in the kingdom will awaken old insecurities in your life. Your unfinished business lies at the threshold of your future. And that's the very reason a lot of believers plateau. They grow to a certain place and something new opens up. They begin to approach it and all of a sudden they feel those internal tensions, those internal insecurities, those fears. And there's, there's a myriad of ways that we deal with it. Every one of us is different. But we end up self-sabotaging and justifying not dealing with those things and we settle into the old comfort zone. But your promised land dwells outside the boundary of your comfort zone. What God has for you lies outside your comfort zone. And if you want it, you've got to give, let go of the comfort zone. And if you demand keeping the comfort zone, you forfeit your future. And here's the thing, we're to grow into our destiny. And this is not some self-serving thing where it's for personal glory so we can, oh, look at all the things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about doing it for his glory. When we were reconciled to God, when you were born again, when you met him, you were not just reconciled to him relationally, you were brought into alignment with his purposes for your life. I just, in January, I usually, I'll start reading in Genesis and then I'll get caught up and read all, and I just never make it, you know, I never do that methodical thing. It's just not how I'm wired. 
So, but I've been reading in January, I mean, in uh, Genesis. I've been reading in Genesis because it's January. And I was struck by how it says that God made these plants and these plants were, had seeds that would reproduce after their kind. Again and again, all these seeds and after their kind. And animals who will reproduce after their kind. After, and then all of a sudden it comes on the, the, the creation of man. And it said, let us make man in our image. You know what the implication is there? We are of the God kind. Yeah. I want that to settle because some of you that hits you a little wrong. But I'm telling you, that is the clear implication of the passage. Scripture is very clear that we were made a little lower than the Elohim. It's, it's the sons of God that gathered around the throne in Job. We are made a little lower than the Elohim. We are partakers of his nature. And we are reproduce after that kind. We are all seeds with tremendous potential within us. The genetic code of your destiny was in you by birth. It's an amazing thing. And here's the tragedy. That so many of us will only fulfill a small portion of our destiny. And what's keeping us back are the very things that we need to deal with when it comes to inner healing and deliverance and, and relational health. Because the fact is, your destiny is connected to other people. Every new season that you come into will awaken old insecurities. Let me say it again. Every new season, every new opportunity, because what the, the way of God is this. He'll, enter, he'll bring you into a season that, you, that, that feels like it's beyond you. It's bigger than I am. And you grow into mastering that patch of your promised land. You grow into it so that you can then manage it well. And once you feel comfortable in your assignment, you know what it's ready? You know what it's time for? An expansion of the boundaries of your assignment. Because you were never meant to live comfortable. You were meant to live growing. We're to grow from glory to glory. You're never meant to plateau. So what God does is he'll, enter, he'll bring you into something. You feel out of your depths. And you're supposed to feel out of your depths. If you feel like you can handle it, it ain't God. It's too small. God will always bring you into things beyond yourself. And those, those new seasons are always times of glorious growth and terror. <laughs> but once we begin to occupy all of that space, so to speak, that metron is the word that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians 10. And just as a side note, for those of you that understand what I'm saying when I say metron, there are different types of metron. There are geographical metrons. There are spiritual metrons. There are emotional metrons within you. That you need to master. You need to begin to exercise dominion over those areas of your soul. There is within you, in the seed that is you, is a genetic code for a tremendous destiny. The dream of God for what he wants you to do. God had a dream and he wrapped it in you. And he wants that to be realized. He plants you and lets you die so you can multiply and die and you can multiply and die and you can multiply. And that's how he brings out all that is within you. Let me say this. that there's, There are three primary ways in which God puts a demand on you to get after what he's put in you. 
through new opportunities. We usually don't think of those as, as that, but that's what we're talking about this morning, in essence. But then there's conflict and there's confrontation. Confrontation is when someone comes and tells you what your stuff is. You, you may not be aware, but they, I, had, uh, I had someone come to me two years ago and share some things with me, and I said, I don't agree with you, but I respect you, so I'll listen. And I felt like the Lord then confirmed that that's what I needed to do by saying, keep your mouth shut. I really did. It felt like he told me that. I said, I'll pray about it. I went home, and this is what the Lord told me. It's worse than he said. It wasn't sin, but it was some very dysfunctional ways that I was relating with myself that was affecting those around me, those that were responsible to me. And I had to go into a season of dealing with those things. I'm still dealing with them. But that's one of the ways the Lord confronts us, gets, gets to our stuff. And there was a lot of potential behind that was, that was being held up, not just mine, but others around me, that was being held up by that issue that I didn't, I didn't realize it was the way I was relating with myself and my world. I had some issues that everyone else was accommodating. And when I dealt with them, everyone else was free to get beyond them. So confrontation. Then there's conflict. A lot of times it's in conflict. It's in the pressure of that conflict. It's not necessarily someone confronting you. It's that you come to an impasse or something not working in the relationship. My tendency is to always to figure it must be that other person. But there's this, this, this conflict and God will use that to kick up stuff in our life. And often the more acute the conflict, the more revelatory it becomes. Now, we don't like that. We, we want to, you know, I just, I want to get, I want to get revelation in my Bible study. Okay. I want God to speak to me when it's just me and him with my Bible and a cup of coffee. But often the things the Lord really needs to tell me, I can't see in the word because I'm blinded by my issues. There are, there are belief systems that I can't see it. And then when I get in a conflict and I begin to ask God, God, why is this not working? Then I begin to realize, oh, there's this thing that I believe, this thing that's in the way. And then when I take that revelation back to the word, oh my goodness, it's on every page. It's all over the Bible. I didn't see it before, but I see it afterwards. So conflict, confrontation, and then opportunities, because opportunities are, are invitations to become bigger than you already are, to grow into your destiny, to unleash more of you. And so we need to be always growing. We need to always be stewarding well the opportunities that we have. We need, to, we need to be faithful in the assignments that we're given. Do it to our best. Because when we do that, it will cause us to grow. And we will literally outgrow our assignment. And that is the way to promotion. And then what happens is God will expand your fence line and you will be an abject terror again. You'll be afraid and you'll feel like this is beyond me. But that's how God grows us. He puts a demand on the seed that's within us. There are things in many of you, you don't even realize that the assignments that the Lord has for you. But if you'll be faithful in the one you have right now, then God will expand it and you'll bump into some other things. And every new season has, to, has timing connected to it and it has people connected to it. God will bring people. And 
One of the elements of good stewardship is stewarding the relationships that he gives us. Because there are people, the kingdom of God, the way you got in is who you know. Because you know Jesus, you got to come in. (laughs) And the way you expand in the kingdom is who you know. Literally is that God will bring people into your life to be an influence, sometimes for a season, sometimes they're they're decades-long fixture in your life. But there are people, we need to steward those relationships well and realize there's reasons that God has brought these people into my life. And so we need to steward those relationships and make sure we don't squander them because every opportunity has a window, a, a, a time frame to it that if you don't seize it, it will close. Because the purposes of God are always moving on. God is moving on. And and when God grows you up to a certain point, he opens up a new opportunity. And at the threshold of that opportunity is your unfinished business. And you have to face more of that to step into it. And as you grow into that, you're dealing with more of your unfinished business. And then God will open another opportunity. But you have to seize those. And when we're too, when we are apprehensive because of our issues, there comes a time where that opportunity will close and God will find someone else to do it. That doesn't mean he's given up on you. It just means you have forfeited an opportunity. What we are going to give answer, as believers, when we stand before God, what we're going to give him answer for is not our sin. That's been taken care of at Calvary. But we will give an answer for what we were supposed to be. What did you do and why did you do it? Those are the two things we'll answer to God for. And when God calls us into account, it very well may be You can be a a very successful banker, and it may be that at the judgment seat, God calls your name, but he puts pastor in front of it because you didn't obey. And it doesn't matter how successful you were as a banker if you were supposed to be a pastor. And it doesn't matter how successful you were as a pastor if you were supposed to be a banker. We're going to give an account for the, the, the potential, what God, God has a dream. I want you to get that this morning, that this is a burning desire. God looks at you. He is hungry to see all he has placed in you manifest and grow and bring him glory. There is a hole in human history that only you can fill. Other people can do some of what you're called to do. Don't make God go to the, 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 you know, the, the, uh, J, the JV team. <laughs> Don't let him go to the second string. Step up and fulfill your purpose. There's, there's things that God's called you to do, but you have to face your fears. And that is why this issue of facing our unresolved issues and learning healthy relational uh, dynamics, that is why these two things are so crucial because these will sabotage you from stepping into your destiny. They will force you to plateau. There are people that have faith, favor with God, but they don't have any favor with man. It's because they haven't learned how to do relationships. We need to learn to do those things because Your assignment from God is connected to human relationships. And if you don't have the favor with human relationships, it's going to blunt the effect that you have in history. And so we we have to deal with these things. We have to be willing to dig deep and face our fears and be humble to own them and work on them. Now,
tell you what, let me, let me, as we, uh, as we go into this in the future, I've really felt strongly just something stirring in my heart over the last number of months. And then I shared last week, I had a conversation with Bob Hazlett. Now, Bob, Bob is one of our other uh, external overseers at this time. And uh, Bob is a, a prophet, travels the world. Many of you know him. He's going to be back this year. Uh, but I was having a conversation with him on the phone a couple of weeks ago, and he was sharing with me a dream that he had. And in this dream, it was a very prophetic dream. I won't go into it. But out of it, what he really felt like the Lord was saying is that what God is going to do, this, this coming move is going to be establishing strong church families, churches that are families, a church that people belong to so that they can really become part of a kingdom family so that the next wave that comes at the harvest can be uh, captured by these kingdom families. We need healthy churches. What we don't need are just places where we come and hear good music and some insightful teaching. You can't grow alone. Matter of fact, you are psychological. Studies have shown that your brain is literally wired for relationship. There are parts of your brain that will not develop outside of relationship. You can't even know yourself outside of relationships. It's like trying to comb your hair by feeling. You don't have a mirror. You need a mirror. You need someone to bounce things off of. Your relationships are mirrors. They're people that can give you feedback. You can't know yourself. Your, your, your brain is not wired for me. It's wired for we. It, 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 you need relationships. And so if we're to get where we need to go, we need to be willing to deal with our stuff. And then that stuff, that working that stuff out is done in the context of relationships. And when we have healthy relationships, then we can receive the broken. That's why David wrote, God sets the lonely in families. Why? There's something about these people. There's something broke. There's a brokenness in them. They're disenfranchised. What do they need? They don't just need a person to have a relationship with. They need a family. There's something about that full relationship. We are made in God's image. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This divine relationship. Even God is relational. And he's invited us in. And if we're going to be like him, we're to grow up in him. And we're to like, as the Trinity defers one to another. We're to defer one to another. And only then can we really grow. So as we're looking at this, I was reminded. Uh, um, just keep that in mind. Everything I just said. Set that to a side for a second. I was thinking this morning, I was thinking back, uh, Bob Hazlett was with us a couple years ago. I don't remember, I think it was one of his visits before the last one. I think it was three visits ago. Uh, and some of you will remember him preaching this message on one goes up, we all go up. Anybody remember that? When one goes up, we all go up. And he talked about, he got on the stairs and he said, and in that particular message, he said, when Pastor Dave and Christopher, and he was, I, he had a word for Christopher. I think he pulled me into it because I was the lead pastor. But he said, when they go up, everybody goes up. When they go up a stair, they have to back, they have, someone else has to fill that role on that stair. I believe that that, the dynamic that Bob was speaking of in that message is we're in the midst of that. There's a synergy right now where people are, people are having to step up and occupy roles they haven't stepped into before. And so I want to tell you, as you are 
uh, just keep your ears open and don't back off the threshold of your new opportunity, okay? Because there lies your destiny. All that God has put within you. You will never be fulfilled unless you fulfill the purpose for which you were made. I know that sounds obvious. But we often don't think about that. You will not be personally fulfilled unless you fulfill the purpose for which God was made. Your fulfillment is tied to your purpose. Your satisfaction in life. This, this sense of uh, this, this sense of my life matters is connected to the destiny that God determined for you. And so there's going to be opportunities for people to step up. So as Christopher, uh, as Christopher resigned last year, he came to me a couple months before the new year and said, he handed me his resignation and wept in my office and we talked about it and I knew this was the Lord. I knew this day was coming and uh, I've known him for a long time. It... Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I knew it was coming. And so when we decided, I said, hey, what, would you serve till the end of the year so we can get some things in order? And he graciously said yes. And he, frankly, he was grateful because this is a big step for him. And uh, so when, uh, when he did that, we began to pray about, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to move things around? And so we've been moving a lot of things around within the staff. And uh, one of the things we've done, you know, John has taken over more of the day-to-day, frankly, because he's much better at it than I am. Uh, He also took some responsibilities for Laura because as I began to pray, I began to ask the Lord, God, what what are we going to do about the counseling and really this need for the pastoral gift within our midst? We have a a need there, and I believe that it's going to be greater because part of developing people and part of dealing with people's past and removing those barriers and, and reaching in and helping them at those crucial moments of their life, that is, all of that is a pastoral gift. And as I began to pray about it, it became obvious to me we already had our person. And so Laura Lemix is going to be now Pastor Laura. And, uh, so Laura, why don't you come on up here? Thank God she'll still be my personal assistant because I need that. But she's also going to take over the, the, the pastoral care, all of that, and all the things that we're talking about right now. And so what we're going to do is she's passed the administrative stuff to John, and she's going to be taking over all the things pastoral. And, and uh, I look back at the, the time that we've known the Lemexes, they, they came to the church. I remember the first Sunday you guys were here. You were alone, and then John came soon after, a good Catholic boy, and look at him now, Holy Ghost man. It, uh, the Holy Ghost altar boy. And uh, man, they've been such a key part to what God is doing in our church. And I look back at the journey that the Lord has taken Laura through, and it's so obvious that the Lord has prepared her for this. So Laura, why don't you share for a few moments what you're thinking about and uh, what, what you're looking at. Yeah. Um, boy, he was preaching to me this morning, so it was good, this stepping into um, something much bigger than I ever expected. But uh, as I look back um, 17 years ago, when I first went through the ultimate journey, formerly known as Christ's life, um, it wasn't something that I was honestly excited about. But at the same time, I did it out of a deep hunger to, for just that that pure intimacy with the Lord and nothing else. I didn't want anything to hinder my relationship with him. 
And um, for anyone in here that knows my story, I had a lot of stuff that I hadn't told anybody about outside of, actually, there was things I hadn't even told my husband about because I was so ashamed of. And Christ's life, ultimate journey, was just that avenue for me to just say, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to lay it all out there. And I laid it all out there, and it was the beginning of a journey. And you might think, oh, I don't know if I want to go there. I can tell you, though, that coming out the other side of that journey was one of the most amazing things. My time with the Lord during that journey, I wouldn't have experienced those intimate, personal times with him if I had never surrendered myself to that journey. And I can say it's all worth it. I had no idea that it would lead me where it led me into my ministry, Restored by Grace, which um, is a ministry to women that have had abortions out of my own story. And it's just the Lord's just built on that. And um, as Pastor was preaching about this, where we're going in this new season, I'm excited. Um, I think about Abraham Lincoln's quote, and I saw this several times this last week, and I thought, I'm going to use that. Um, he, talks, he talked about how if he was given eight hours to chop down a tree, he'd spend six sharpening his axe. And when we think about what's coming, we have an opportunity here to prepare. And each of us are a part of it, whether it's inside the walls of this church or in the marketplace. So I want to encourage you. We're not just going to stop with Ultimate Journey, although um, we hope to do all three phases, start doing that again. But there's a lot of other things that we want to bring to you to help you with emotional health as well as relational health. We've talked about things we want to do to just encourage fellowship within the body, Um, not necessarily on a great big all church level, but small intimate groups, Um, just um, some fun things to get to do. And um, I'm excited. Um, I covet your prayers in this transition. It's been um, it's been exciting to see um, John's taking things over, and Allie is is going to be awesome at helping him with that. Pray for her as well. And um, so I just thank you all for just the opportunity. Yes. I'm going to ask the elders to come up. The elders that are here this morning, we want to pray for Laura, and uh, we're going to we're going to officially commission her as a pastor in this house right now. And uh, this is this is an important thing. And I'm going to ask all of you to follow the lead of my son and stand. He was standing <laughs> out of honor for Laura. And uh, I want you to extend your right hand towards her. And Laura, would you, would you kneel down? I should have asked you if that'd be okay. And John, why don't you kneel with her? This is a package deal. It, uh, as couples, guys, let's gather around tight here. I think there's at least one more heading down here. Just extend your right hand towards Laura and John. And this is a time for us to extend a blessing and then lay a claim to what God has put within them, Okay. Uh, what God's put within Laura for this season. It is so abundantly clear to me. I just feel such a peace about this, and I know that God's going to use her. And uh, so, Lord, we thank you for John and Laura. Lord, I thank you for that Sunday that Laura came to church and went home and told John, this is the one. And I thank you that this man of God, said, <laughs> he, he believed it. And, Lord, we thank you that they've, they've dug in And they've paid a price, Lord, that they've labored to build what you're building here. Not just this physical building, but what's in the spirit over this place, Lord. We thank you for it. 
And now, Lord, we thank you for the new season that they're stepping into. Lord, I thank you for new opportunities. And Lord, I thank you for courageous faith that's willing to face old fears to step into new opportunities. And so, Lord, we're asking God for fresh anointing, fresh fire right now. Lord, fresh insight. Lord, I thank you for, an, I, I just feel, Lord, that there's an anointing for wisdom that's coming upon you. It, there's going to be, there's going to be power. There's going to be love, but there's going to be a, a, an anointing for wisdom that you're going to see things. Lord, I thank you that you're going to take her to a higher place so that she can see things from a perspective she didn't see before. Lord, I, I thank you for a, a fresh sensitivity, Lord, in this regard. Lord, I ask for a pastor's mantle. The anointing of a shepherd in the name of Jesus. Lord, release it right now, we pray. Hallelujah. And Father, I pray for John as well. Lord, as they step into this new season, Lord, I thank you, God, for the accumulation of prophetic words over the last number of years. And Lord, I thank you that they're stepping over the threshold into a new season for fruition of those seeds that were planted long ago. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Hey, I love you. Bless you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.